Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training, joined today by Sam Callahan with Callahan Training Group, and Phil Strader is our guest for today. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Hey Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to anyone who might not know who you are? Uh, well, uh, my name is Phil Strader, as you mentioned. Um, for the competitive shooters listening, uh, I was uh, Area 4 Director for a couple of years, and I was USPSA President for uh, about four, well, four years exactly. Um, served one term, did not run for re-election, and... Um, and that's pretty much it. I've, I've shot competitively for, uh, this is my 29th year of being a member of USPSA and shooting competitively. And I've shot, I, I, would, I guess you could say at a top level, um, or this will be my 23rd year is what you would call a top level, top, top eight competitor. Um, awesome. I shoot every division. I shoot multiple Disciplines, uh, Bianchi, Steel Challenge, USPSA, IDPA, Three Gun. Um, I've tried Cowboy Action. Uh, it was fun. PPC when I was a police officer and uh, anything in, in between. So if it's got a trigger, I I uh, probably hold it before. And are you still working with SIG as well? I am. I'm the director of product management for SIG Sauer. So uh, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been with SIG. This is my seventh year with SIG Sauer. I started as a product manager for uh, our polymer pistol line. Um, did that for a few years. You've probably heard of uh, the new P320 X-Series guns and everything else after that, and P365 and the P322. Um, they were all mine, and now uh, now I'm director of all the firearms and the ammunition uh, and, uh, and air guns and a few other facets of the company. Awesome. Well, Sam, I know you're chomping at the bit there to jump in with some questions. So why don't you get us started? I'm always ready to be nerdy about USPSA stuff, but yeah, so it's it's always awesome to talk to somebody who will, first of all, shoots all those disciplines, but secondly, has been shooting them for this long. Mostly I hear we talk to people who champions this, that, and the other thing. It's been five years, eight years, a decade is a long time in the industry. But um, I, I, it's really cool to hear from somebody who's 29 years of competing, 23 years of, of high level competitiveness. What have you seen as like the major differences of or like national per national as your benchmark year per year? Because I know last nationals, I saw you do some fancy stuff where I'm sure 29 years ago, those nationals weren't the same. <laughs> um, you're right. It, it, there's There's been a transition, uh, you know, over the years, there's been uh, the goals have changed a bit uh, in competitive shooting. Back in the day, obviously, the goal was to make the top 16. And the big reason for that was so you could go into the, the shoot-off event. Mm -hmm. um, they usually promoted the top 16 men, the top eight women. And that was the, that was the real excitement of the match. I mean, because... Spectator-wise, USPSA, Bianchi, um, even still challenged to a degree, are not what you would call um, spectator-friendly, right? It's 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 cool yeah. to watch people go really fast and run around and all that, but 
to the untrained eye, um, if you don't live it like we do, it, it looks exactly the same. It doesn't look all that exciting. You can't you can't see uh, they can't see the holes in the target from back at the spectators area. So it just uh, it wasn't that exciting. But when you took the top sixteen people or the top eight or whatever the case may be, and you put them in a uh, you know an all falling steel one shooter here, one shooter there, and the fastest to to get to the middle and finish. That was a big deal, and there was money involved, and that was kind of the the goal, you know, um, to make that. And that's that's usually, especially shooters who have been doing it my as long as I have. Um, that was that was the the goal, um, and that's and everyone everyone who's been doing this longer than ten years remembers their first top sixteen finish because um, mm -hmm. that, that was the thing. I mean, that, that's actually how they awarded the prizes was first through 16th with the table and then uh then high lady went and then high junior and it was just that was that was the order of the of the award so it was kind of a cool thing and you know this over the years um obviously the sport is going to mature and this divisions are going to change and um you know, obviously the social Outreach is going to become different. Um, you know, back in the day, we had paper scoring, and you signed up for matches by mailing your check into the into the match director with your application that you tore out of the magazine, or you know, with your registration form that you. I mean, it's just, it's it, saying that out loud makes me feel really <laughs> older than I should be, but um, but yeah, that's what yeah. it was. So yeah, the, the technology has kind of helped, and that uh, you know, you get to sign up and you move around a little bit and and uh you can get instant scoring instant gratification is kind right. of um yeah. i think we got a little spoiled with that but uh and it takes them that takes the the sexiness and the drama and the uh it takes a little bit out of it because we didn't know when we went to the award ceremony right you found out there i mean they they announced the winner at the award ceremony unless you had an end in stats and they kept it pretty covered up so but, yeah, the dynamics have changed, but the stages are still good. I mean, they were good back in the day. Um, some some nationals you remember. I've shot um I've shot more nationals than anyone alive. Uh I think more than Todd Jarrett. He would fight me on that, but uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I've shot more. I'm at 72 nationals, USPSA national championships. Oh, uh, awesome. So they all kind of run together after a while, but you you remember the good ones. You remember the really bad ones. Um, it's it's yeah it's yeah it's uh, it's a it's a lot of shooting. That's for sure. I've I've done the math and I've spent exactly a year and two months of my life at a national championship, like on oh, the ring. Wow! Wow! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> People want to talk about they've shot a lot one season. They can eat it and listen to that stat. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't shoot a lot, but it certainly has over years. You know? Yeah, it's, man. That's just. When you save up for an IRA, it doesn't sound like a lot of money until you get to that 30-year mark, and it's a lot. You know? That's cool, man. That really is. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that they had the shoot-offs, because that's something I wanted to touch on, is like bringing back the kind of spectatorness to uh, nationals and us, us shooting, because as much as we love what we do, there's, what, 12, 15,000 of us in the country? When you say that, it's like, wow, that's, that's really tiny. That's not a lot of us, and it'd be nice to drag more people in and yeah, it's cool to see somebody burn down a stage. It's why it's nice to watch you do some cool gun pickup and nationals, or watch JJ burn something down. But like to the untrained eye, it just looks like some guy running around. But um, those shootoffs were huge. I know. I I don't know if you remember Three Gun Nation back when that was alive. But the end of the the day, 
top 16, we were battled under the lights. And that was always the thing everybody waited for. And we're all sitting around yelling at each other, screaming, there's lights on, it's a big deal. And I think that's something to be said for like bringing back the community of it. Now, that being said, everybody knows what happened with Three Gun Nation. So, I mean. I, I shot the first Three Gun Nation shoot off in Las Vegas, actually. Really? That oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's quite cool. a story. So you saw it starting end then. You saw the whole, the whole beginning and end of Three Gun Nation. Because it was a cool, it was cool, concept cool, everything. Concept, concept was, concepts always start out cool. Um, it's just if they're managed correctly. And uh, I mean, the Pro-Am, the Pro-Am shooting championship was one of the most popular matches in the country. Um, and I don't, I don't attribute that to anything I did. I don't, I don't take full credit for it. I take a lot of the, I think a lot of the credit goes to the format of the match. We talked about, we mentioned earlier, you know, spectator friendly and you know, shoot offs are spectator friendly, but then the excitement of the, 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 the one-on-one or one versus one competition is always fun, but it's also the, the mechanics of falling steel and the, right. the anticipation of a stop buzzer. And that was kind of the thing we did with Pro-Am shooting. And it's another example of the rise and fall because when I sold that match, um, which some of me regrets and some of me doesn't, but when I sold that match and it was mismanaged, it kind of went away. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how, how a, a really cool idea and a really valiant effort can get, you know, misguided and then kind of fall off the rails. So definitely a cautionary tale. And I know everybody knows what we're alluding to when I'm saying, you know, watch about management. <laughs> but yeah, I mean three gun nation was the way to shoot three gun. It was all over the country. It was the best rule set everybody used. Everything was awesome. And then just because of people. Yeah. It, just because of people, just because of drama, just because of stuff. And not not to blame anybody. It's not like I'm sitting here throwing stones at anybody. But like it was it's just people people are always the problem in the sport because egos get in the way. So it's one of those things where somebody like Phil, if you ever talked to him, been around him, shot around him. Like, I I know I'm just nobody. You probably talked to me twice on our nationals just randomly, but he's a humble, nice guy that's always been in it. And that's something to be said about all this stuff. I mean, it, no, it is, it is. It's something to be said. I mean, you can hold, you, you're match director, you're area director, you were president at some point and you were never a big, big jerk about it, you know? And I think there's something, something to be said about that. Yeah. This sport is all about checking your ego at the door. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and also the, <laughs> The, you know, leadership of the sport is about that as well. We, we weren't, well, I wasn't blind. Uh, and to a degree, the board wasn't blind to the success of that program. In fact, we changed the three gun rules because of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was, I was proud that that happened while I was president. I mean, obviously I was dealing with basically a rotating board every six months, it seemed, but um, you know, that was a, that was a, you, like I said, you have to be somewhat humble and you have to know why you're in it. Um mm-hmm. And if you're in it for yourself, you know, you might have some success, but eventually that kind of comes comes out in the wash. And um, and if you do it for the shooters, if you do it for your competitors and make and remember that they're your customer, uh, we'll keep pushing you up. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it always want to support always you. Good. And we when we were doing our match, my wife and I were facilitating the Pro Am shooting championship, we made it about the shooters. We 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 would not we always fill up, but we always made sure we had, we wanted to have twice as many prizes as we had shooters. And we always gave away more and more and more money to the pros. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and we, we never got greedy. We could have, when we, the match, the match was $130 and it shoot two guns was 180. And that's when match prices were going, you know, were climbing skyrocketing. And we just, uh, for us, it wasn't about the money. It was more about the, you know, making sure we had a, left a legacy for the new yeah. owners. It didn't quite work out that way, but 
It was fun. We enjoyed it. Oh, so, yeah. Well, no fault to your own, but that's definitely one of those matches that I've, I've talked to shooters all over the country about, and they're like, oh, that was the best match. I wish that was still this. I wish that was still that. It's it's yeah. one of those ones that has like a memorable spot in people's minds. Like you say, everybody remembers the best and the worst. That's certainly yeah. on the best category for a lot of people. Like, oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, I run this diggy little club up in the, the Poconos, and people have been like, we should do a pro-am. We should do a pro-am. Because I, I always say... We we're surrounded by USPSA clubs. I don't need to step on any toes. So I like to do weird stuff. And they're like, do a pro-am, do a pro-am. And yeah, stuff like that is is in high demand, but it's more because the the feelings that were left behind from it. Like, oh, it was fun. It was awesome. We shot a lot at high prizes. It was, it was fun. You know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a good legacy behind, but it's a good like lesson in, in all this. It's you actually will find more success and more following just doing it for the shooters. It's right. the end of the day. Agreed. Yeah. Sorry, Tita, we've been talking. I think you had a question teed up that we kept blabbing over. No, that's good. This is all good stuff. Um, so I got to observe you shooting nationals. I think it was somewhere around 2012 or something like that. It was a while ago. And it was actually because of you that I really got interested in more of the mental game of the sport. So what happened was you were, I think you had a stage go not as well as you had hoped. And at that time you couldn't just go and check practice score and see up-to-date scores. So in your mind, it was almost like you just threw away nationals and then you were on fire and you were just burning down stages after that. And I was always really curious what happened mentally when that happened to you, how did you find that other gear? And was it because you knew you had to then catch up or was it because you kind of like threw out the match and thought, well, I'm just going to shoot for fun. Like what was going on there? Uh, it could be a little bit of both. Um, you know, I was I'm a different shooter now than I used to be, obviously. Um, you were a young, young buck yeah, at that time. I was a little, uh, I was, I was willing to throw caution to the wind more than I am now. Now I just do it on speed shoot because it, it looks fun. You know, it's more fun to do something ridiculous and, and win the stage by 10%. But, um, but yeah, back in the day, uh, when, when I had a bad stage, I, I had a, I had a habit of carrying it with me. Um, I did that a lot in the early, early days, 2000, uh, 2001, especially. Um, and I'll tell you the kind of what led to my mental change but in 2000 you know i i made the super i made my i finished top eight i was eighth overall um did very well in the shoot offs uh lost in the finals i think to robbie happens a lot apparently and um <laughs> but the next year you know i i that was your making the top 16 typically especially if you're in the top 12 or 13 you would get into the super squad the next year and that was most of the time, especially during the the Robbie, Todd, um, Jerry, Barnhart days, getting into the top 16, it was always fluctuating. They were the top three and they were always there. And then everything kind of fluctuated. You know, every you probably rely on seeing Travis and uh Tuasi and Taryn Butler in there every now and then. Um a few of those guys, but you know, it was always up and down. People would go get in there for the first year and they would freak out. And the nerves would get to them, and they would finish like twenty eight. And uh, uh, and see, you saw it happen all the time. And of course, I was the new guy. I had made kind of a stink at the uh, the, the uh, shoot off championship because they'd never seen anyone reload like that before. Because I was doing it 
I was doing it faster than anyone had ever seen before. I was, you know, I was the guy that could do the reload catch. I was the first one to do that stupidity. And I taught Chef, Chef <laughs> AJ, and he spent the next year trying to learn how to do it in his house. But it was that was goofy. But I, so I, I was the guy that did that. So they all expected me just to kind of fall, you know, and just get overwhelmed by the nerves because I was. I was nervous. These guys were. These were. The, I've been legends. reading about these guys in front of my. They were. They're legends. They still are to a degree, and. um and so first day in, I just said, well, just shoot. You know, I'm just going to shoot and just try to keep my head above water, not to get overconfident. And I won the first stage outright by a second, you know, just by going smooth. And I won the second stage. And then I was second on the third stage. And we only shot four, days, four stages on the first day for some reason. And there was a 50-yard standard stage, and I won that one. So I won three out of four stages on the first day. I was well ahead. And then all of a sudden, I'm, then I start thinking, well, I, I could really win this thing. And that's the worst thing to think about. And of course, the pressure got to me. And that's, you know, I kind of learned that lesson. And in um, 2002, kind of the same thing. I, every time I have a bad stage, I just bring it with me. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And I wouldn't forget about it. And I wouldn't. It's like playing golf. You know, you, if you have a bad shot on the hole and you bogey it, there's nothing you can do about it. But if you bring it right. to the next stage, the next hole, you're, it's in your mind and you're instead of saying, okay, I'm going to hit this shot. You're saying, I'm not going to do what I did on the last stage. Right. You're not living I, in the present. Right. So I had a hard time with that. And in, and in 2003, I'd finally had enough. And, um, and I, I went to nationals. It was a horrible year for me. I didn't win the first area match. It was the first year I had won an area match in uh, four years. So I went to nationals with this, uh, with my wife and I, we were both there, and I said, I will not shoot a miss, no matter what. Uh, I will go, no matter how slow I have to shoot, I will not have a miss. And and that was the 2003 Nationals in Oregon, Bend, Oregon. It was a hard match. It was a, How'd that go was, for you? Uh, well, it, it, it went well. It went very well. Really? I, I, uh, I, I just, I said, no matter what it takes, I said, just don't, because like, yeah, look, we know how to shoot. If I gave you $1,000 to shoot a tuxedo target at at, at 15 yards you're not going to miss the a zone right it's just not physically you're you're if you have that capability there's not a shot in a match that you can't make right uh, you know there's not you're not shooting at 100 yard targets right so i just forced myself i willed myself not to miss and of course two stages in it was this ridiculous standard stage like headshots and tuxedos 20 yards away we can strong hand Everyone, including Grafell, Grafell was shooting with us. He came in to shoot that limited and open nationals that year. And of course, Grafell was the target. Everyone was like, oh, this guy's right. going to come in and destroy us. And um, he even had misses. So at this like second or third stage in, I shot it clean, got the lead, and never lost it. I was in the lead all the entire match because I just kept shooting consistently. But on the last stage, I checked the scores. You know, I did this one thing you don't do, and the scores had a mistake in them. And the mistake they had made, they put me down for a miss instead of a delta. I shot on stage. I shot all A's and a D. I don't know how you do that. Um, but actually, I scored it as all A's and a miss. So the scores, how you did it back in the day, you looked at your scores on the stages, right? So we had Brian Minos following us around, and he was, you know, he was just doing all the math uh, by checking the overall, the top four or five guys in the overalls, and doing and just adding math up. It was easy. It was one division, and he shows up and says, "Hey, you're two points ahead going to the last stage." Well, Grafell, who's a computer, he right. said, that's correct. He said, I've been keeping track. You're, you're 14 points ahead. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't listen. I didn't listen to Eric. And, you know, and 
And I was like, I don't know, man. You know, Brian, Brian said, I just added up all the scores. And I was like, no, oh. I said, I really trust Brian. He's been doing this a long time. So, of course, on the last stage, I'm knowing all this. I go and I push and I have a miss, my first miss of the match. I'm not losing the Nationals to Robbie. Uh, the first combined limited Nationals they'd had in a long time with Eric Rafael there. Um, and I just lost by like five or six points. And it was a, it was devastating to me. It broke, it broke me. You know, it, I couldn't force myself to do what I knew I had to do. And after that, I just didn't, I didn't have as, I, I wouldn't say I didn't have the drive because I always, if I'm out there, I'm shooting, I'm shooting to win, but I just didn't let it bother me as much. I didn't, I don't feel after that, I, I stopped feeling pressure. I actually started shooting other sports to try to get that pressure back. Yeah. Uh, which I found in the Bianchi cup. Uh, if you want to learn about pressure, that's, that's a good place to go to do it. Um, especially if you're in the running and you're finishing on the plates, but uh you know, I, I I just didn't feel that sense of urgency, that sense of uh, fear, you know, that keeps you driving. And that's probably what that went into answer. That's a long way to answer your question. But that's probably what it was. Once I said, oh, crap, I just blew the match. Well, let's just go out and have fun and not worry about it. I'm not scared anymore. I'll just go out and shoot. And that's probably where that came from. And now, you know, if I have a bad stage, if it's something that's not me related, like, you know, this year at Carry Optics, I had a, I had a squib load with on a, at the beginning of a stage and had a zero that frustrates you because, you know, you're, you don't want your equipment to let you down. Right. Um, but now if you, if you make a mental mistake, I don't get upset at myself because a, you know, I've, I've, I've done enough in this sport. I'm I'm happy if I just get to go out, hang out with my friends, still be relatively competitive. I'm still still a top ten guy. I'm fine. I don't practice. I haven't shot. I, I shot. I've shot nationals in October, and I haven't touched my gun until a, sh a match I shot Wednesday last Wednesday night at the Sig Experience Center at an indoor three stage club match. That's the last time I shot that that my competition pistol, and it was fun. You know, I just I don't have any expectations anymore, and it's kind of how I shoot matches. I just go out. You know, I already know what I'm doing. I mean, I I, I know I, I I try to improve my movement the best I can. That's something you can obviously you you have, you're very close to, and you respect that part. But you, that's part that you can kind of lose. The shooting's the shooting. I'm always going to know how to shoot. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to trying to st have still have a lot of fun and and uh, you know I love the people I compete with. They're they are my family to a degree, and I it's like a family that you only get to see about three or four times a year. So. Right. I cherish getting a chance to see people on the range and, you know, I love meeting new people. Um, so it's, this is a passion. It's always going to be a passion. I shoot it that way, but I also like to have fun. And of course I'm secretly, I'm always competitive and I, I'm always shooting to win. Even now I can, I still shoot to win. And I, you know, if everything were a speed shoot, I'd probably have a pretty good chance, but unfortunately that's not the case. You're a high hit factor guy. So what <laughs> advice would you give to, shooters listening to this podcast if they're having trouble leaving that previous stage behind and not really living in the moment living in the present they're thinking back or thinking to the future and not being present you know the best advice i can give someone is uh reevaluate how you set your goals because if you're if you go to a match typically people um when they they're competing against the other shooter um, and it's typically, you know, someone, uh, I've been, uh, the, the, a target of this. They have their sites set on a certain version. I just want to beat this guy. I've never heard people say that. I just, I just want to beat Phil. I just right? want to beat Phil Streeter. I just want to beat him. 
Um, which I don't know why. That's, that's like that's like going and beating up a, a 90 year old man. I mean, yeah, oh, I kicked the shit out of that old guy, but that's in terms of shooting years, it's like dog years. <laughs> but honestly, the the what helped me a lot is um I still have my goal. I met my goal once in my life uh, after I reevaluated in 2003 and said, okay, you know, I, this this is not working. And I, I got a little I'm too commit, I'm too involved, I'm too close to this, and I have to figure out why I'm doing it, you know, instead of getting upset. And I was, I would try to fight calls that I probably shouldn't have fought. I wasn't as bad as my competitors, but, um, but I would get away with stuff and I wouldn't question it. Um, so I had to kind of reevaluate what, what was important to me and what kind of goals I started setting. So instead of setting a, a goal, like I want to make grandmaster or I want to win a nationals, or I want to beat this guy or that guy. Uh, obviously Eric Fell was a big, um, he was the guy that was always on everyone's, you know, radar as far as wanting to beat. Um, but instead of setting those goals, I just said, "Look, I just want to shoot a perfect match. I want to shoot a a, a perfect match where I literally make zero mistakes." And uh, you'd be shocked how hard that is to do. Um, I've only done it once in my life, and it was incredible. You know, I, it was it was the most fun I'd ever had. Um, and you know, I'm still trying to do that. Uh, you know. Then the, then the goal comes, okay, now I want to shoot the perfect match twice. Uh, and not, not a club match. I'm talking something more than eight stages, you know. Um, How do you define a perfect match for you? Uh, where you, can, you can't look back at any stage when I used to track this and say that I could have improved on this, this, or this. I mean, I'm not saying going out there and shooting 100% alphas across the board, but but for me – Nailing every draw, nailing every reload, calling right every into your ability. Yeah, right up to your ability. That doesn't mean winning. Um, it happened to, that I did win the match that I shot perfectly, but I also did that when I was at the peak of my ability. Um, so I knew at that point, if I if I shoot a perfect match, there's no human that could beat me, um, including Eric. Um, at that time, now now I can't say that. Uh, it's just a physical thing. Now I weigh twice as much as he does. Um, <laughs> he lost just, a lot of weight it's 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 science you know it's physical but um so i just kind of reevaluated that so, so I, what i usually tell people is make your goals self-centric you know do find out what you you can you can if you have to if you if you feel if it makes you feel better you can sometimes measure your performance on a percentage but that's only if you're comparing yourself to the same person that's going to compete right. at the same level every single time. So it doesn't always work. So it, I mean, that I mean, doesn't best... work because nobody ever is so, except maybe Eric, nobody is so <laughs> consistent that they can right. be a standard to measure yourself against. Right. 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 So, cause you did, you, you may be shooting against, you know, Mason when he has a perfect match and all of a sudden your percentage is 80% when you thought it was going to be 85. So you know, make your make your goals very, very self-centered. Um, you know, obviously you have to have some sort of idea of what your skill set is. The best thing you can do there is, is do drills, dry fire, get some training, get good training. There's so many people out there that are giving good training classes and they actually have drills that they've set up to make them better. Um, so that's that's always what I tell people. If you, if you get too focused on your results based on other people's performance, you're not going to get a true measure of how good you're you've gotten or how or or if you're digressing, you know, you're getting worse. And I've always told people that understand that you're never going to just keep getting better and better at a certain rate. You're always going to plateau. You're going to get better and then you're going to kind of level off. And you may have to change a few things you've done or doing or change some of your mentality 
And when to, you change something, you're going to see an initial drop before yeah, you do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I had gotten to a certain level. I was getting, I got really good, really fast when I started shooting competitively and I shot from, uh, from nothing to B class, you know, just, just straight up the, straight up the line. But then, you know, I noticed I was kind of getting beat up a lot and, uh, you know, this is three, four years in four, three, three years in, and I got a chance to meet Todd Jarrett. I saw, I, I saw him in a match in Fredericksburg and I, I asked him for advice, which, you know, that's a risk. That's a, that's a roll of dice when you do that. And he literally told me that I was doing 12 things wrong before I even got the gun out of the holster. So <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what that meant, but I knew it wasn't good. And, uh, you know, and, and it was a kind of, he kind of was a joke, but he wasn't joking. And he actually showed me, he took me over to the safe area and showed me how to hold the gun. Because I was holding, you know, I was a Weaver guy back then. I was a police no. officer. That's how you shot. A 1911. Yeah, that's how everybody just did it. Nobody knew. That was the way. Especially was, in law enforcement. It was the but, cool you know, new thing. Right. Well, that was another thing is I was I was a pretty good, I was a fast shooter. I was very fast. I shot a Colt 45, 1911 and limited, which, you know, that's another, another whole story. And, uh, you know, I was pretty good. You know, I could reload pretty well. I was pretty fast, but but I didn't, but I had blinders on. You know, I was, I wouldn't watch other, and you know, observe other people and see what they're doing and just try to pay attention to how I was doing it different because we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't have these back then. You know, it was just, if someone wasn't taking pictures of you or videotaping you like this, you know, right. YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> with no. the giant camcorder, VHS. Yeah. Yeah. When I, this mini VHSC stuff that came out that was like this big, that was like cutting edge technology back in the day. And if you didn't have that, you couldn't really compare yourself there very well to other people. So anyway, he took me to the safe area, showed me how to hold a gun and completely the last the stuff I've been doing for the last three and a half years was and I had to relearn <laughs> how to shoot. So that was my plateau moment. And then I had to get better. And then I jumped way up to grandmaster paper grandmaster for a long time. And then I, I couldn't uh, get better. And I was, I was, you know, classes weren't terribly plentiful. So I started shooting PPC because I was missing all the time. I was fastest. I was one of the fastest shooters out there, but I couldn't hit consistently. So I started shooting police pistol combat. I'm shooting a target that big at 50 yards. And all of a sudden I learned how to read sights. And mm -hmm. so there's, and you also, another thing I would suggest to people is don't get so locked into your sport. Try something else. Um, it will enlighten you and help you find out some of the, some of your weak points, maybe some of your strong points. It turns out that I was a very accurate shooter once I really learned how to read the sights. And um, and because of PPC, I became a much, much better Grandmaster. From 99, I finished 50th. In 2000, I finished 8th. And after that, I, you know, it was very, very hard pressed for me not to uh, finish pretty well. And, you know, I've, my average finish, even in open, which I suck in open, I think my average, uh, Finish in seventy-two nationals is uh, eighth or seventh, eighth, seven point five, something like that. So it's paid off. Um, but yeah, I, I I have lots of advice based on uh, a lot of failures, and I've won of all those nationals. I've won one of them, which makes me theoretically the losingest national champion in the history of the sport. The the I've what shooting the most nationals also means you've lost the most nationals. So it's not. You know, it's not a rainbow and unicorns, unfortunately. Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, so it sounds like it doesn't matter if it was Nationals 2000 or Nationals 2023. It's it's, it's a more of a mental game than anything. The gear changes, the shooting, whatever, all that comes along. I don't care if uh, you're going from Weaver to Isosceles. But, yeah, it's, it's more of a get your head right, shoot to the best of your abilities. I mean, you said something funny. Once you can just forget it 
and just shoot because you're not worried about it anymore. That's just, I mean, it's funny, but isn't that just the quintessential, hey, I'm just going to shoot how I practice? Yeah. Right? It would be so much, I mean, everybody says they're going to do that, and then the beeper goes off, and you see Todd Jarrett on the range, or you talk to your buddy who's got a new gun, and all of a sudden you got to puff your chest up a little bit. But, yeah, it's just when you can forget about all that stuff, it's just where you do your best. And you're yeah. just setting those goals based on what I can do. Like, yeah, it's nice to beat people, but that's going to be a – it's going to be a, a, a product of me shooting a perfect match or shooting that goal, shooting whatever it is. So it's cool to hear, like, no matter what, it's it's more coming from up here than anything. The shooting all comes along. Right. The, the, I, I will always tell people, and I've told, the, told them this for uh, almost, well, 20 years now, at least 20 years, that the best match you'll ever have will be the most forgettable match you'll ever shoot. Uh, as far as the results and how you perform, you won't remember if you re- if if you have certain standouts. Remember, we always remember the standouts. We remember are runs that were, yeah, yeah. Well, what really stands out in, in typical people's minds is if you remember it, it's either because it's like when you shoot your training, you're a firearms instructor, you've trained you know over fifteen hundred two thousand people. When I was at Capitol Police, that's how many we trained and. You never remember the standard folks that are running the mill folks. You always remember your best shooters or your horrendously bad shooters. And that's kind of how it works with competitive shooting is you always remember your ridiculous runs that you shouldn't have fit. You should have done what you did, but you did it because you're stupid and you took a risk. Or you remember the complete train wrecks where you fall twice, your gun blows up, that kind of thing. So if you can go through an event and not be able to look back and go, I don't think, I can't think of anything good I did, but I also can't think of anything bad I did. And you'll be shocked how how well you did. I mean, that club match I shot Wednesday night, I shot against Mason Lane. He's three-time national champion, and he's really good. And I waxed the floor with him because I just went out there and turned it up and went crazy. And, yeah, well, I was consistent, but it wasn't one of those things where I wasn't thinking about the results. I was just out there having fun. And uh, it was an indoor match. It was an indoor range. The lights were – the lighting wasn't great. I'm not beating up on the SEC center, but they, you know, we have to turn the lights and not oh, face indoor the shooters. It'd be not nice to face them that way. So I couldn't see. So I just I just shot it like a junior Filipino standard shooter. I and it was so much fun. I had so much fun. And we were me and Jason were joking around and making fun of each other. And he was looking at me like <coughs> kind of just pulled that out of your butt, didn't he? I was like, Yep, it was awesome. Let's just keep going. <laughs> so I told him, hey, I think this year I'm just gonna just going to turn it up. Just, you know, shoot with who cares? And I mean, just go for it on every stage. How good. I was watching those kids. I um, can't remember the, their names, the Filipino boys. Um, I was, you know, I was watching them as they progressed. Like Varee boys. Yeah. Like Varee. Yeah. Varee, that's it. it. It's incredible. The disregard and the disrespect they show the stages and the targets. They just mm-hmm. go after it. And I last, I think the, uh, the last match I saw them finish, it was uh, it was a level four, and they were first and second, and combined they had like thirty eight misses or something like that. And uh, that's they're it, so I mean, fast, I, yeah, so fast they're outrunning the misses. I'm like, they're oh, like, absorb the mics, yeah, absorb the mics and speed. It was like, well, that's true. I'm trying out. I'm not saying that's what you should do. If you're listening, no, no, no. that's the opposite of my suggestion, but I, you but know, it, it's different for everybody. What I'm hearing is, I mean, like it, it's obvious that you got to go out and shoot like you practice, but you said something funny. You're like, yeah, I barely practice. I just, I'm trying to have fun. And then when you go out and you have fun at a match, things yeah. kind of look up. I mean, 30 years of reps is still 30 years of reps for you. You know, right. so that's your yeah. game. It's like, Hey, I practice with kind of like a, 
let's go have let's go send it and have some fun attitude when you should yeah. like, have things link up and then i i tend to take practice like kind of over analytically and over seriously and then if i go to a match and i try to not shoot like that things don't feel natural to me and i start to realize yeah. oh i need to have more fun on what i'm doing i need to actually relax I need to, yeah, take the, yeah, be analytical, have notes, know your part-timers, but like, yeah, have fun, man. Have yeah. fun, go to match, have fun. And things end up going better like that. What do you know? Yeah. Take, take it one shot, one position at a time. And you know, the rest will work itself out. If you're not there having fun, that's the, that's the number one thing I tell people, you know, set goals and do what you want to do. But if it becomes, if, if, I don't want to say a job because that's the goal for some people is I want to get paid to do this one day. Mm -hmm. That's great, but if it becomes labor laborious or I have to do you know, tedious, then look, take a break, try something else. You know, uh, it, remember what makes it exciting. And when you're first starting out in competitive shooting, it's exciting because you're learning things and it's different, and you're nervous and huge advances. Right, you, you yeah, you you see your progressions faster. Um, you stop worrying about the the two tenths of a second in a draw, which freaking doesn't matter. Because the, what you're doing in a match is not what you're doing in practice. And I've seen people do that. Oh, I get my draw down to the 0.78. Why? I mean, you're going to do that in 12 matches you shoot. You'll have to do that twice, maybe, if you're lucky. So just, just become consistent, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if you get to the point where you're overanalyzing things and it's not fun and you're putting stress on yourself or you shoot a, if you shoot badly and then you punish yourself for it, it may be time to stick it, take a step back, reevaluate why you're, you're why you're doing it, mm -hmm. and maybe try something new. So you can see that progression faster. You can you can make a decision as to whether or not uh, listen and, and whether or not you like it or don't. Because the chances are you're probably not going to like it. Because I hate the Bianchi Cup. I hate it, but I love it because I've learned more shooting that as far as sight tracking and calling shots and all the things that matter. To go from a good shooter to a great shooter, mm -hmm. I learned, learned it there, and I learned it at the PPC. But most boring thing ever. I mean, who wants to shoot a revolver and load with speed loaders and switch to your left hand supported by the right, shoot on the other side of the barricade? That nobody wants to do that, but you learn a lot from it. So, you, if you're willing to take a step back, if you really want to improve in your sport, then the best advice I can give you is expand. You know, do more. Do, you know, expand your sport, expand to other sports, learn other trades bullseye is also a really good one that's the most boring thing ever but you can learn a lot about your shooting and your trigger control mm -hmm. um you know shot bullseye as well before and that was that was a little too boring i couldn't i couldn't i did well but i couldn't uh couldn't keep it up so i i never shot a big match or anything i just shot like a couple club matches and mm -hmm. and they're looking at the scores and i'm like man you should go shoot um whatever the thing is called camp harry i think it's supposed to call it i don't know Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, it's down near me. I have a bunch of the old. Uh, I come from sporting clays, and all those old fuds love that. I've been doing that. I did that. I did. Uh, yeah, that's where I, I come from. Yeah. I loved it. I went it's to. Fun. Uh, I went to a celebrity shoot down in um, Rhode Island a couple of years ago, and I loved it. Uh, it was so much fun just riding around in a golf cart. Are you kidding yeah. me? Shooting, shooting shotguns in a golf cart. And when you're done, you can and you can go drink. It's just the craziest thing ever. Yeah, right. It's a whole different culture. It's fun though. You're right. Like, and you want to talk about fun? We, I have a couple of buddies. We bring our three gun shotguns out to the course, and yeah, stay, that's what I with. starting starting pull with an empty chamber and going to a match saver, like stuff like that. Like you yeah. can have a blast. Yeah, I didn't you know that. so much fun shooting, and you don't have to take it seriously all the time. But you can yeah. learn a lot from that stuff. It's it's super fun. 
had a blast. I, I this was a celebrity shoot, so obviously the the, the targets aren't hard. I mean, they're mostly yeah, just floating away from me, that kind of thing. So I took my I saw that was a three gun shotgun. So yeah. I took my three gun shotgun, and uh, I didn't have the pistol grip. At least I put this this comb stop, which I never shoot. I took my pistol grip off, so I didn't do that. I shouldn't have, but I did. And I shot a perfect score. I won the match. I won the won the event. And I went back the next year and shot another perfect score. They started. Then after that, they're just like, okay, you're out. So they stopped pulling my results away from it. And uh, it was great. I loved it. And now, now, I mean, I don't do it. I'm not going to ever do it professionally because I'm just I'm not good enough. But it was fun. It was something else. It was something different. Uh, but hey, everybody's fun. talking about dot tracking and occluded this and all that. And then I'm, I say it all the time. I'm like, hey, target focus. I, do you ever shoot sporting clays? And I people, I see people go, Oh yeah, when I just look at the clay, I'm like, oh, how about that? <laughs> like, how yeah. about that? Why don't we figure that out? And it, yeah, yeah, just other stuff. You'll learn stuff. Learn, yeah. or not, and learn to never do that. But then you can argue on the range. No, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Shut up. Like, it's it's a good thing to have actually rooted in. I've been there. I've tried that, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's it's it's. I love guns. I don't know why it's so hard to argue with other people. Like, go shoot your guns at other places. You don't have to be some USPSA purist. Go have fun. Yeah, there's other there's other opportunities. Um, GSSF, I used to do that all the time. Yeah. Not because I I liked it, but because it was easy to win guns back then. Yeah. Um, and I used to shoot a Glock in production, so it worked out. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, Sig Sauer, we're starting a new initiative in March called Shoot Sig, which is very similar to GSSF. Um, a little bit more fun. Um, we we're not penalizing the accuracy quite as bad. Instead of you know down a second for every point, it's down a half a second, and we're also uh, putting a steel challenge esque stage in it, um, and yeah, we're going to be. I think our first match is in March at the at Gorka's place in Volusia County, but yeah. it's kind of a segue into you know the, uh, the gateway drug to competitive shooting. And uh, right. Dane Warner and Shannon Smith are going to be running it. It's uh, oh boy, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Shannon it's a, and his it's stage shooting... is so challenging. But well, if it's, it's going to be like easy. a simple yeah. steel. Yeah, they're very simple. These are designed for new people. These, like you just said, these are designed yeah. to say, hey, look, you, do you have one a six hour? If you do, here's an opportunity that's coming near you to co-shoot it for, you can, or not, just show up and just show up with a yeah. smile. We'll give you eyes, ears. We'll have guns there for you and put you in whatever division you want. There's only going to be, I think, six. So that is kind of a, you know, a shooting, a new shooter's sport designed by shooters. So it's uh like I said, there's so many different opportunities out there. Oh, that's awesome. I used to work at an indoor range and we held GSSF matches and everybody would bitch and moan about it. But then when I started working there, I was like, oh, cool. Here's an opportunity for me to basically make everybody have fun. And okay, hey, was that fun? I got more for you. Like, let's go like right. a drug dealer. I'm like, first time's free, but let's come over here. Why don't you come try this class? And yeah, it's good. It's, it's good to get everybody into it. I mean, it, it seems so obvious to me to be like, well, why wouldn't we want to be more like sporting clays? I don't know if you've yeah. seen their events and how they run stuff, but going back to the right, the beginning of the episode, you want to talk about broadcastable and make it like events. Yeah. Their whole families come out for like 10 days and it's this whole big thing. And I, and my sister shoots it professionally and I see those events and I'm like drooling with jealousy. I'm like, wait, yeah. You guys spend 10 days out in this like plantation in Texas and it's this big party and everybody has a fun time. It's not this three day fly in, fly out thing. Like right. it's a big thing. Like I, I I see if we kind of bridge the gap between a lot more of these sports. I mean, selfishly as shooters, we'd learn a lot, but I think we we have a lot more to offer if we can kind of bridge that gap and be like, hey, you guys should come party with us, we'll party with you and expand yeah. this whole community. Yeah, I've always said that. Um I completely agree. Now there are challenges, of course. Uh, with 
a gentleman sport like sporting glaze or trap or ski, that kind of thing, versus a combative based mm-hmm. gun sport. But yes. uh, could it be done? Yes, yes, it could be. There'd have to be there'd have to be some growing pains. Uh, there'd have to be some divisional changes. Obviously, yeah. uh, we're kind of still stuck in the Stone Age with our divisions, and uh, you know it's hard to. I know it's change is hard, and you got to piss off a, a couple of members here and there, and that's going to happen no matter what you do. No, but, but I mean, for the for the betterment of the sport, the growth yeah. of the sport, and for the impending changes that are coming, the sport's not the same as it was twenty years ago. Um, we, yeah, we have to accept the fact that that's the way it is, and and make changes. When we make changes I mean, in twenty, whatever year, I I um suggested carry optics. You know, I, I see the writing on the wall with that. I mean, it was a hard battle to fight. It shouldn't have been as hard as it was, but we we got through it and we got it in the uh started as a division. But that was kind of a okay, you see the progression of technology and where people how people are buying their guns and what they're buying. So yeah. I'm hoping that that will kind of uh, I know that there's been a big USPSA, you know, uh survey that's been put out there. So you know, that'll be good and bad because it'll be, you know, they'll put it out to 4,000 different people. There'll be 2,000 different opinions, but. Right. Um, but but I mean, you work for one of the many manufacturers out there. Like I shoot a Glock, so I'm kind of making myself look bad here, but you work for a manufacturer that has not just pistols. You have multiple platforms. CZ sells a hell of a wing shooting gun. You know what I mean? Like all the, there's a lot of platforms out there that have other things. So why are we play? Why are we putting the blinders on? We can kind of expand the community a little bit and do better for everybody. I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, yeah. there's guys out there. I hate the whole, it, the, I, I am a, a Glock shooter. So I don't think anybody cares about my opinion when it comes to divisions or taste in guns. So whatever, but like with this whole limited optics thing, why, why are we fighting more people coming in? Cause I'm assuming that's what you're alluding to with this whole uh, survey thing. Like, why would we not welcome more newcomers, more gun manufacturers, more stuff like that? Yeah. I know everybody's mad at certain manufacturers that might've left us and are trying to knock on our door again. But like you said, growing pains are growing pains. Yeah. I know guys um, that build SIGs that uh, the guy, Dan out of uh, Jersey, uh, North Jersey, he's building major power factor open SIGs. Uh-huh. And there's really nowhere to put the guns other than pushing them through major. If you could just let right. him shoot minor, he'd have this awesome competitive platform that is kicking ass out there. So I'm like, yeah, there's a place for everybody. There's a place for all this. There's a place for all this expansion and learning too. I mean, if you don't push the envelope, how are we going to learn and progress? Like how are we going to yeah. learn more about guns and divisions and going fast and all that stuff? I agree. I, I think, I think things have changed in couple of different ways uh, i'll kind of address what, what you were alluding to earlier is first is the shooters okay as i mentioned before there were at a national championship for the from uh gosh i'll say 1996 ish to 2008 there were only three shooters that could win mm-hmm. it was rob todd jerry you know and you know every now and then an outlier hmm Dave Savigny yeah. came in around well the later end of that. That's why yeah. I, that's why I cut it to those. I see, yeah. Okay. Savigny won the yeah, uh, right. the, the Nationals in 08, uh, oh, yeah. uh for limited. Now he was obviously he was destined to win production in two thousand one, but when they all got them together, you know, yeah, that that's those were the and, and that kind of proves my point. So and as of the later years, as the years progress, now we're looking two thousand seven, two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Now you've got outliers like Bob Vogel and Dave Savigny. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eric Rafael, I use him, but he's, you know, he's a little bit of an enigma. He's he's overseas. I'm just using US shooters here, but it, it does get to the world. And then now you you have your brought your your base of competitive winners 
starts to expand and you get the Shannon Smith and the, uh, the Ted Puente, uh, he won a nationals one year and, uh, BJ Norris and all these new kind Dave Savigny, Bob Vogel, all these people that are starting to span out. And now you've got a bigger base of people. Now there's 10 people, Nils Johnson, Ben was, Ben was dominating production for the longest time. So you've got this huge gap. Now you're, you're, you're a number of competitors who, who could win if they shoot a good, good match together has now gone from here to here right yeah. so your base of talent is wider and now today put it on the world scale and now you go to a world championship the base of competitive talent that could yeah. win the match is so big now that there's it's blurred the lines there's 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 just too many good shooters and i attribute almost all of that to technology because now if you yeah. want to see a top shooter shoot go to the go to go to the on the internet and you can yeah. watch them and you can break down everything they're doing a lot of them are just putting the info out there for free and you can see exactly how they're stepping in position, where their gun's at, how high it is, everything. And all they have to learn at that point is how to pull the trigger. And anyone, if you shoot enough, you will learn how to pull the trigger and get, get hits. And because of that, now you have this huge base of talent. Now when we go to a limited nationals, if you were to have, hey, if you shoot USPSA, or IDP, whatever, uh, this year we're going to have one nationals. And it just so happens it's going to be irons, if they did the, or optics. And if they do the rules right, you know, well, you know, they'd have one division, optics. Anyone can come and shoot optics. You do that. Now you've got 20 people. You're right. Yeah, maybe, maybe 15 people that, that win win. shoot, that win a national. JJ is another one. You know, yeah. uh, Matt. You just level out the playing field, level the rules out. Any one of these 20 guys can right. yeah. So that's kind of where shooting's become. Shooting's gone. Now, on the technology side of it, it's done a very similar thing. Now, you're, you said you're a Glock shooter. So was I. And when Glocks first came to the market, or they started coming, you know, relatively competitive, they were they were good. They were fine. You could do a few things to them, but there was a slight advantage to a, a Glock, or a, a slight advantage gap between a Glock 17, let's say, and a decked out SVI nine millimeter heavy gun. Yeah, yeah, there's a gap there. There was, and there were, and and although. Yeah. Dave Savigny and Bob Vogel proved that that gap really didn't matter. It doesn't matter. There was an equipment gap there. But now you have SIGs that uh, if you pick up an X5 Legion or the new AXG Legion, which got leaked at the uh, range day right before shot, things like that, the technology is getting better to where a panic. I mean, look, feel how good a panic trigger is right now. They are incredible. All these striker-fired guns, these uh, versatile action guns, CZs, all these other guns that are coming out that have these incredibly good triggers – now they're getting the weight to them. Now they're getting steel grip modules, steel frames. That gap between your action, your action gap is what I call it, your striker, double, single, single action only gap has closed. There is no gap. Now there's no difference. I mean, hell, the last three nat limited national champions won the match using $700 guns. Yep. And striker fired $700 guns. So the, the, the action gap has closed. And that's, and I wasn't, I, at first I will admit, I was not a huge fan of the single action being allowed into optics division or carry optics division. And, but after I thought about it a little bit, I was like, what difference does it make? Who cares? Mm -hmm. you know, when, you, when is the shooter ever going to complain that you're giving them more options? When is the shooter ever going to complain that you're giving them more capacity? Look how carry mm -hmm. optics took off when you let, let them use a boat anchor with 23 round mags. People like that. They yeah. like more stuff. Yeah. Um, so you'll never, yeah, you're going to piss off a couple people who are purists and, 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 you know, don't want to, go a different way i mean hell i've got twelve thousand dollars tied up in limited guns so i'm going to be screwed if they do the way i want it to be done 
but I think the action gap is over. I think, mm -hmm. I think, I think it needs to be pulled in. The, the visions need to be reeled in a little bit. I think we're we're getting a little off the rails with trying to make so many different people happy. Yeah. Um, we might have to piss off a couple of those people just so when a new shooter comes to me and says, "Hey, man, I got a Glock 17." Uh, what division should I shoot? I don't have to sit around and talk to explain to him why he has to download his magazine to be competitive in production. I can just say, oh, yeah, you have a, you have a base, you can get a base, or you can just load up to 17 rounds if you want, or whatever you want to do, and just shoot limited, shoot irons, or whatever we want to call it. And, oh, yeah, you don't get a, uh, you don't have to explain to him why this guy with a 40 cal, 5,000, $8,000 gun is going to beat him because of his equipment. It doesn't yeah. come that anymore. It's like, yeah, you can shoot whatever you want. And then they let the, let them decide the equipment equation after that. So that's the perfect way to put it. Is like, I mean, the first, yeah. I'm a Glock guy, so I immediately see carry optics when it comes out. I'm a Jersey shooting Glock guy. So I see carry optics come out. What was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be production optics. Yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to be able to be competitive in this division no matter what. They they tell everybody it's going to be a big division. Am I upset at first? I mean, yeah, but like, am I going to leave the sport? Well, I better not. Be a, right. Well, that's another, yeah, that's another thing is if you piss off, look, there's, I don't know how many, I mean, there's, they, uh, allegedly there's 34,000 USPSA members, according to the numbers they're putting out. I don't know why the, they're making more money and they're losing, I don't know, they're making numbers and losing money. I don't understand that, that math, but whatever, but be that as it may, let's say there's 8,000, 12,000 active competitors, like people who should go out. If you piss off. And they're they're invested, right? They got the equipment. They've got a forty cal limited gun. They've got all this shit. Am I supposed to not cuss in their podcast? Sorry. They got all this stuff. You, if you make them upset, they they're vested already. They already are doing this. They're not doing this because they hate USPSA. They're doing it because they love the sport. Are they what are they going to yeah. shoot out EPA? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they will, but they're no, they won't. They'll just. But they'll just I also look at it like if you do that. They'll load minor. They'll get their twenty. Yeah. They'll get their 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 twenty two round forty cal mags. Load minor and shoot iron sights until they get a nine mil upper. They'll they'll they will. People will adjust. I promise. I I, I told this to the board. I was like, I promise you, they will adjust because yeah. it's not. They're not so. They don't have the blinders on to whether they'll just say, "Well, ah, this stinks. I'm going to quit doing something I love doing." No, they're not. Yeah. They're just not going to do it. So yeah, you might upset some folks, but in ten years. When the memberships climb to a hundred thousand people, and you're you know you're now having problems finding places to have matches, yeah, might be worth it. I mean, I always I talk to people from a weird perspective because I'm a, I'm a trainer of all kinds of guns. I train people in SWAT. I train people who are coming and have never touched a gun before, and I love USPSA as an avenue to teach through. I don't think it's the end all be all. I love the P, the practical, practical. What's more practical, a 40 cal limited gun that's tuned down or a Glock 17 with a magwell and an optic on it? All right. I have so many guys showing up to, to, to practice sessions and to matches and stuff and going, well, this is my carry gun. What do yeah. you mean this isn't? This is my carry gun. So I have to take my magwell off or I have to fight that guy with a space gun? All what right. the hell, man? And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. It's stupid divisional stuff. Just ignore it. But I hate saying that because I'm a practical right. guy. I've been shooting a Glock because that's what I treat. That's what I, I teach people on, you know? So I'm like... Yeah, it's it's really what is more practical. We shoot United States Practical Shooting Association. Just because right. you love your gear, I mean, I love my gear too. I love your gear. I love all the gear. But come on, man! Like, come right. on, let's let's do this. Let's do this like we're shooters, not like we're jerks. Like we don't need uh, to be purists. And now, gun companies are finally starting to kind of well. It doesn't help hurt that I am who I am and in the position I'm in with Sig, but that doesn't mean that we're the only ones doing it. If you look at most new platforms out there. 
Yeah. You, you usually come usually come with a magwell, usually detachable, so you can take it off. But you'd be hard pressed to find a, a, a gun that doesn't have a magwell. Why would magwells? So we can load them faster. Why do we do all this late addition or subtraction or lightning cuts or this kind? So the gun shoots better, and that's what competitors we want. But we're we can't deny the fact that that's what customers want. I mean, we mm. never thought we'd sell. I don't know how many, I think it's 70,000 320 X5 legions. Yeah. We never thought we'd sell that many because we just- I remember the day those came out. They were supposed turns to be out, a competition gun and now everyone's got one. Turns right? out regular people who don't shoot competition also yeah. want a gun that shoots better. And, and now right on that, exactly what we're saying. I have a customer right now who, Richard, Kita, you know Richard. Mm -hmm. Richard bought his first gun and got a 320 and now has legions and he's 70 and got invited to nationals. He got his first gun in his late 60s. It happened to be a 320. He now has a legion and that's what he does. You know, like we we suckered somebody in. We got somebody. It's so easy. It's so obvious, man. It's so obvious. Just let him play. Yeah. That's how I feel about all of them. I'm like, oh, do you like shooting? Oh, I have something for you. Come here. Just come here real quick. Shoot this gun with this trigger and this magwell. Isn't this fun? And yeah, you got him. And I mean, SIG's got it. It's obvious. But like, uh, I was just talking to Tim Heron and Night Nighthawk's already releasing something for that. Why? Everybody's got nine millimeter. It's not some yeah. evil Kabul that or, that everybody's trying to, to undermine USPSA. It's like, no, I, I don't want to shoot some special major load. I want to shoot minor because it's cheaper and easier. I shoot three gun and we've been shooting these limited optics guns for how long? They've been around for how long? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're they're fun gun and everybody has one. So eh, I mean, I don't see I, I don't see a downside. But at this point, the, the I think you said it. We're not going to lose anybody. They're having too much fun. They can bitch about all they want, but they're, we're, they'll come to the next. They'll come to the next match, and you know they'll have a fancy new gun on their hip that they're going to talk about. That's true. So Phil, do you have any companies or anyone you want to give a shout out to? Obviously, Sig. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, I. I uh... I'm not really technically sponsored by anyone. I don't, uh, it just kind of muddies the water. So, um, SIG, uh, SIG, obviously they take care of me and they let me uh, travel around here and there. And, uh, so I couldn't be more thankful for them. Um, but no, I mean, Brian, of course, at H Hunter HD Gold, he, he's awesome. He gives me whatever I want. Um, he's great. So I, I couldn't argue with that. So big supporter. I, 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 I'm pretty low, uh, Low maintenance guy though, you know. Once I get something I like, I don't. I just keep it for. I mean, I've still got a timer from two thousand one, so you know, I'm a I'm a pretty easy guy. To, hey, I'll hook you up. You want one of the new guys? I'll hook you. I up. do have one of the. New, I have a what's it called? The AMG Labs. Commander. Oh, you got one of those. Oh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Is that good. I don't. I mean, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. If I practiced, it'd probably be awesome. But uh, <laughs> it's usually it's a good point. For the guys, like crap, where's the timer? I got one. You know, it's, I, I'll bring mine out. That's all I ever use it for. I don't practice with it anymore. That's great, though. Good. Exhausting. Well, I'll see you out there. I know the last. Uh, I think it was might have even been nationals, but I was. I was. I'm an RVer too, and somebody's like, "That's Phil's RV," and I was like, oh, <laughs> "That's a park next to him. Look at us, we're neighbors." Uh, I'll, I'll see you out on the road soon enough, man. Absolutely. We have a couple minutes left. I did want to ask you. If you would share with our listeners what you did at the Bianchi Cup. Uh, you're, I'm guessing you're, you're talking about the P365 thing. Yes. I did. yes, we are. Uh, well, that was, um, that was in 2018. We launched the P365. I'm going to assume that your, your listeners know what that is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And as a promotional uh, kind of a thing, we, we did a, first we did a steel challenge challenge where I, I took a gun out and I challenged 10 people to beat me with it. 
and win $5,000. And so we all had to use 325s and shoot the steel challenge with it. And uh, and I finished eighth in production, I think, with that 365. And Savigny almost beat me, but he didn't quite. And of course, we wanted to win. We wanted to have this check to give to Dave. And I was like, I should have shot worse. But but then I was like, well, screw it. Let's let's try let's try something else that's absolutely ridiculous. So I uh, went to Bianchi Cup and shot the cup with a stock 365, that same exact gun. And you know, I did okay. I finished eighth there as well in production. Um, and I went to finish second on the mover with a 472 on the mover. So I got four four eights on the mover with a 365. But uh yeah it was fun I, it was uh it, that's and that, and that's funny it's the last time i shot the bianchi cup but uh i actually am thinking about going back this year it's just it always uh falls on the same week as something else but uh, i'm definitely going to try to get back because you know i do kind of miss the cup a little bit and uh and now it seems to be kind of getting out of nra's hands and back into the competitors hands and seems to be doing a little bit better so um you know it was fun. It was. Uh, I don't recommend that by any means. Uh, I was gonna say you're gonna keep doing that. You're gonna. No, keep- yeah, that was the last time. It was. Uh, I'll say that macro shoots like a full size gun. I don't think you would be. The so macro. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The macro is pretty good. I will admit. I would not be. Uh, I would not be scared to shoot that at 50 yards with the right ammo. But uh, the 365 at 50, I think I did. I think I dropped four eights. According to John Scout, when he was watching my target, yeah. that I dropped four eights at 50, but. Uh, so everybody out there, you're missing, not the gun. Always yeah, right. yeah, it's, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, the 365 is my personal carry gun. And we were talking about that. Before, and you told me you were going to go do this. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a hard day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I'm a Glock. I said I'm a Glock guy. And I actually tell my people my favorite micro gun is the 365 if you're going to go that direction. So I'm yeah. going to get myself a little, the, that size gun. The th- that's yeah. kind of not want a subcompact, that's yes. what I tell everyone to get. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many variations of it now available that yeah. it's uh it's, there is one for its you. own you know animal at this point. Yeah. So you can carry tiny or you can carry macro some somewhat tiny and get 18 rounds of capacity. It's just uh it's, I couldn't be happier with the way that platform's yeah, moved. definitely Honestly, an awesome. Enough to, I got a job. And it's an accurate little gun. Oh yeah, heck yeah. Um I was actually my carry gun, I was I got some ammo, some new ammo to to carry and I usually like to like group it. Um, and my carry ammo wasn't the best in the world, but I grouped this new ammo and it shot uh shockingly well. So, um, it it's it's it can be ammo sensitive, especially the really short the 3.1 inch barrel. But if you get some good 124 grain bullets, it it eats them and it's really accurate. I love it. Best thing we yeah. ever did. Yeah, I love mine too. I use mine, I carry mine with a stealth phenom holster okay it's very comfortable and it's such a tiny gun but it carries more rounds i mean you can get 13 you can get the pinky extension whatever yeah so it's subcompact but it's really comfortable to carry on you and you get more rounds and it's yeah. extremely accurate yeah I'm well, very you, 15 mine. rounds now uh, yeah with the new pinky extension yeah. yeah oh no mac if you if you're carrying a 365 with a 12 round Extended mag, the mag guts kit will turn it into 14 rounds. That's what I carry now. I carry an XL, yeah. but I have a mag guts kit in it. So I'm I'm holding 15 in that tiny little gun. And it worked. I've I've shot it. Uh I shoot it for qualification. I have to qualify. I'm a retired police officer. So I shoot it I, every time I go uh, shoot, I do it. I shot that same magazine in the 365 challenge uh this year and last year. So it's 
held up. I couldn't be happier with it. Awesome. Yeah, same. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Phil. Oh, my really pleasure. Appreciate it. I feel like we needed another hour. <laughs> yeah, my, my, I've done a couple of these and they usually run pretty long because I guess I'm pretty long winded, but uh, I, we can talk about this. I've done a lot of stuff. We didn't even talk about you know the shooting range I used to own and all that yeah. stuff, but yeah, we didn't talk about Love any it. presidency or area four stuff. No, a lot yeah. of stuff. We'll have to bring you on again sometimes so we, we can get into yeah. more stuff that we missed. Wow, anytime. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good night. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Like and subscribe if you enjoyed.